0: Good afternoon and welcome to All Things Georgette, friends of Georgette and interested others. We hope one or two others are with us. Um, We welcome you warmly to the drawing room where we are sipping ratafia, eating a few drop cakes. You might hear us um, spinning our spoons around in our delicate china teacups and (laughs) slurping a little and spending some cherished time discussing our favorite author, as always, Georgette Heyer. Heyer. I have two charming ladyships with me today, both beautifully embellished to an inch and not at all foxed, to whom I am fortuitously, fortuitously maybe I'm foxed, to whom, that's hard to say, I am fortuitously connected by blood. Um, uh, today, we're going to start off with a consideration of the subject of servants. Not that I have any servants, but they inhabit Georgette's novels deliciously. They're some of our favorite characters. Uh, Some of them are simply insanely entertaining. And so, without further ado, let me turn to her ladyship, Sharon, and um, ask her for her thoughts
1: about the servants of Georgette. I think Georgette uses... She she does not fall back upon... The, the Victorian um, ideal of a faceless servant. Matter of fact, she makes fun of that in several of her novels um, where a servant or a person in a, in a subordinate position will just have, have an enthusiastic attitude and be chatting away to the, to the main, usually noble, protagonists. And they find it so amusing and refreshing. In, in point of fact, they would have found it appalling and they would have fired the person on the spot. But <laughs> Georgette, Georgette allows for the humanity of these people who lived and worked in intimacy with the main characters. And she gives them, very often, she gives them a life of their own. And um, so true. She uh, And there are some... Who are crucial to the storyline. And as it happens, the three of us with you today all started reading Georgette's with the same book, which is Friday's Child. And there is a uh, an, a boy that the main protagonist, Sherry, has met when the boy is trying to steal his, or as he says, fork his purse. <laughs> and, um, Absolutely correct. And his horse, Sherry's horse, in the melee gets very excited and starts to try to run away, and is rearing. and And this young boy jumps up, and instead of running away when Sherry is distracted, he jumps for the horse and settles down. This horse and to keep
0: it from injuring
1: itself, or or anybody else. And Sherry is immediately entranced with this and hires him on the spot, despite the fact that he can't stop from stealing from people as and his tiger. Right, tiger. isn't that the
0: word of, a, of that particular yes. uh, niche of employment? That servant is called a tiger. A tiger, and
1: and is it Jim? Is that his name, Marsh? I think it is Jim. What does a tiger do, Sharon? Why don't you a uh, tiger? It? it swings up behind your sporting, uh, your sporting carriage, usually a phaeton or a curricle. And he is there to go with you. And if you want to stop by the side of the road or change the horses or do whatever, he swings down and holds the horses while you get down and do whatever you want to do as a lord or oversees the changing of horses in the in the carriage. So a tiger is is not quite as experienced as a groom, um, but he is almost universally a sporting young boy who accompanies the lord and master and they go off on on wild adventures and jim holds on whenever sherry goes way too fast or flips the curicle over he never has a word of complaint and thinks sherry is godlike and his ability to steal from people becomes a crucial (laughs) element
2: i love that part of
1: it (laughs) he is he is a full and complete character who is a part of the storyline and who really brings life and vitality and a whole different perspective to the book um and absolutely and, and I would just add are like that
0: I would add that that particular in that particular book in Friday's child that character that tiger the thief becomes oh there's some rat- Ratafia being slurped um it, that character becomes a, kind of a, a bellwether or or a way of pulling drawing forth salient characteristics of the female protagonist of Friday's child hero wantage um, in that she immediately appreciates his she is not at all scandalized by his cockney by his light-fingeredness she immediately appreciates his um, skills with the horses and she likes him immediately. They hit it off. And so that is one of the reasons that we start cheering on hero and, and wanting good things to happen to her, which turns out to be a very important part of the, um, the way that plot comes together. Great example of her brilliant use of servants. Yeah. Sandy, do you have lady Sandy? Do you have any input? I definitely have some thoughts
2: about um, servants. Um, I mean I I within the the pages of the book I definitely have um, there are some wonderful characters and there are some wonderful they they um, they help to further the plot in many cases they help to um, to uh, give you a sense of someone's character often the our hero will be um, shown to be a good person because of his, the way he treats the classes below him as opposed exactly. to we then we, and sometimes our first inkling that someone is a villain is the way he or she treats the classes below them. So, Indeed. so Indeed. That. I think I would like to expand the conversation out a little bit in my, my observations about this period, um, this period of writing in, in, Britain, um, thinking about both P.G. Woodhouse and Georgette Hare writing um, in the thirties, forties, um, in twenties, even twenties, thirties, forties, and and um, and Britain at that time um, having uh, a reconsideration of their class system. Uh, yes. They had just been through the Great War when the upper classes had led them into this bloody nonsense. And um, and through the work of progressive politicians, uh, more uh, upward mobility was possible for what had been the middle class and what had been the working class. Um, this is a subject that is very much a part of um, the Maisie Dobbs books, which of course are written in a contemporary time, but are written about that era um, in Britain. And I think that, um, I, I'm imagining that people reading Georgette's when they came out in the 30s and 40s are, um, having a little, having it both ways a little bit. Having a little bit of, you know, like for example, in the P.G. Woodhouse books, when Jeeves is so clearly more competent a human being than these upper-class fops. So a little bit of a wink-wink of, yes, we all know that the upper-class are just, you know, full of fluff and, and full of ridiculousness. and um, Or as Georgette likes to have her characters, her, her, her servant or lower-class characters, talk about the eccentric ways of the quality as they call them. Um, but I think we're also, um, we're also. There might be some nostalgia going on there too. We're also engaging a little, in a little guilty pleasure, a little bit of like, oh, weren't those the good old days? They certainly were. If you, if you got to be in the fantasy of a Georgette and where we spend most of our time with the upper classes in their comfortable, their comfortable drawing room, sipping tea and having their uh, coachman put a, put a rug over their knees to keep them warm. Um, But even, I would say, um, in the observation of the class system, that was, as she wrote, being dismantled. You know, people in the upper classes had lost all of their money and were having to sell off their lands and and find a job for the first time.
0: Can I, I jump in?
2: So. Sorry, um, go ahead. But anyway, I was just going to say, I was going to say a little bit of nostalgia, even even in the point of, from the point of view of the servants, servants and the lower classes, because because um, uh, I would imagine a time of of great social upheaval in the thirties and forties. With this, there's a little bit of nostalgia of oh, wouldn't it be nice to be in a situation where everybody had their place and knew what it was, and 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 had the comfort of of belonging to a noble house or et cetera, et cetera. So that's my in- my.
0: I love it. And I I think that's all quite true. Um, I I wanted to respond to a couple of things. Uh, One is that uh, there is, I think in this handling of the servants, we also see Georgette's um, erudition and her drawing upon a long tradition of a master-servant relationship, going right back to Roman comedy and Moliere uh, with a tricky servant who knows a lot more than their master. Of course, oh, yes. we see that with, um, um, with uh, well, more P.G. Woodhouse, of course, in the tradition of Jeeves than Georgette. But um, nonetheless, this is drawing upon a, a long tradition that um, does show us her, her education, to the level of her knowledge. Um, she's just embellishing a trope, um, which is not to say that all those other more contemporary concerns might also obtain Sandy. But I think it's also showing us just how um, educated Georgette is. The other thing I wanted to respond to was Sharon's point about uh, the way the characters live in intimacy with their servants. And this just brings to mind the incredible ordeal that these characters have to go through every day in changing their clothing, um, they have to get ready for dinner. And obviously, that's something that probably took a lot of time because there's a lot of attention paid in her books to exactly what they wore, um, how how their, the Hessian boots were burnished to a shine, to a mirror. And no, um, no washing machine. <laughs> and no washing machines. And so the woman, the ladies that, that dressed them, spent a lot of time with them and intimate time. To your point, Sharon. So um, and just, just to add my two cents about, I love that you you brought in, I can't find, I was trying to do a little on the spot research to get the name of the character of the tiger. I think maybe Jem is right, but it's I interesting it's he's Jim. not included in the Wikipedia on the novel. But, um, but I was going to throw in my two cents as my favorite servant character in all the books is, um, I was going to say Slytherin. No. Um, Freudian slip, um, Liversedge
1: right? Yes. Liveredge
0: in um, uh, the Foundling.
1: He right. is wonderful. He, he is, is such a Dickensian character.
0: Yeah. So I yeah. mean, I, he's my vote. He gets my vote for for and most compelling Georgette character.
2: Well, I'm I'm in the midst of Lady of Quality at the moment, and I and I, which also I always I always get confused with Black Blackfoot because they're absolutely identical books with different. Um, but they have, the, the leading lady has a, um, a, a life servant, a person who's been with her forever and, um, knows her ways. It's either Jarby in this one or in the, in the, in the other one, I can't remember which, but who, um, who takes care of her and knows, you know, and, and sees what's going on before other people do. Um, I think also, um, uh, it's it's a way. Often the, the way to move a plot forward too is that there's this there's this this whole communication system. It's like there's it's like there's a system of telephone and a system of um, telegraph, and and there's a way that people that upper classes upper class people seem to talk to each other through servant gossip. And you find people trying to suppress servant gossip, but they're also using servant gossip. So they're finding out what's actually going on with Mr. So that's and true. whatever, and what's actually in his portmanteau, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's often, um, you find that being used. Um, and,
0: our- and it's funny, for um, most of the time, this isn't always true, but often, and, and Lady of Quality is a case in point, it's sort of an old housekeeper or someone who worked for her mother. And an old butler. Is- and, and for a woman, it's it's someone you know it's it's a it's a female waiting woman kind of character who is looking out, sort of protecting um, the her ladyship because she knows her you know since she was in the cradle. But for a man, it's often a male character will often have a ongoing formative relationship with like a groom or someone yeah. from the stables, mm-hmm. right? So um, there'll be some wonderful um, you know cockney. Uh, equestrian. You Venetia. Know, Venetia is a good point. Somebody who that's knows everything her, about horses. The
2: relationship of the, of the Damerel. I think his name is. Yes. With rascal, his valet. With his, his guy that's been his sort of dog's body, his everyman, his groom. Yes. He,
1: exactly. That's yeah. another crucial servant role in Georgette is that particular book and that character. And that one's unusually
0: proactive in the plot because, doesn't he go? Or maybe I'm thinking of another one. Where's the one where the where the the manservant actually goes in search of the missing lord?
2: Oh, that's also that. That's in the Foundling. That's in the Foundling. Oh, that's, that's also the Foundling. Also okay. in the Foundling, and and is his is his longtime uh, longtime valet or uh, valet? I got, I don't know how you, if you say valet. I think you're say valet. Yeah, um, and. And that, yeah, and that's and and again, he and, and in, in the founding, of course, he's he's sort of been imprisoned by the weight of these people that have been um, coddling him forever and, and not allowing him to have a
0: life. Um, and that's right. That's right. That's right. Yes, he's a lovely character, um, but he is also totally suffocated by his waitstaff, mm-hmm. and it it's a mark of his maturity. He sort of comes into his own as a as a lord, but also as a man. When he learns to tell them where to step off, you know, when he learns to say, back off, I'm doing what I think is right, I'm not interested in your opinion, and you're not the boss of me. And you also see the hierarchy within the servant class where the butler has a certain
2: ability to unbend or to make make comments about things within a certain range. But the footman who's way below that has to look like he has to stand there and have an iron, have a a, a stone face all the time, which occasionally breaks when he'll have a quivering lip or something like that, that you'll (laughs) (laughs) notice a lot of of quivering lips to be, to be um, in the room with these people, listening to everything they say. Exactly. Pretending you're a piece of the furniture. Which Is Is that crazy? You're used to reading that in Georgia, but if you actually had to live with it, how bizarre that would be. That
1: was the Victorian ideal, was the servant should be seen and not heard, ever. And if you, in fact, if you as the servant happened to be in a room dusting or carrying stuff or whatever you were doing, and one of quote unquote the family came in, you were to look away because you were not to force them to Absolutely. make eye contact with you and therefore acknowledge you as a person. You were, part you of were, the were to be an appliance within that within that home. And Georgette takes Absolutely. will select certain ones. It's usually the cook, the housekeeper, the butler, or the the upper dresser, but it may also be the retired governess. It may also be um, the groom or the tiger, and she will take at least one of those characters and humanize them and give them a relationship with the protagonist and give them a character and a point of view, and it allows her... To bring into the story, the something of the reality of what went into it. It's not just dressing them. It would be beating the carpets. It's preparing the three and four course meals that she she details with you know three entrees per per course and and side dishes and this that and the other and polishing the silver. There was just a tremendous amount of manual labor and. And a very, very different point of view on the world. And she could present them through these fully formed characters that she chooses. Yes, but, and yeah, Marsha right? Listen. Libersedge is the funniest guy, the funniest servant, hands down.
2: And that, that brings up the, the another really important part about including the servants in it and the lower classes is that's where you're often finding a lot of the humor and the dialect. She loves to write dialect. Should yeah, I, the
0: dialect is yeah, great.
2: You get humorous situations with these um, with these characters, um, which is you know, which is a, a long time relationship with hierarchy, and that the lower classes are inherently amusing um, to the upper classes, and vice versa, which she also gives you. Yes, um, and um, and but it gives her the opportunity to write dialect of many different parts, um, whether it's Northumberland or Kent or what have you. Um, uh, the reluctant widow, which is one of my favorites is, she has. It, it's this you you're taken into this house where every all the servants have basically left this guy because he's so repellent, and and only the groom has come in and is now is now uh, functioning as the butler. And the butler should have an upper class accent, but the groom is clearly from the the he's a wheeled man, you know, as opposed to a hill man or whatever he is, and. And so he has, and he's, you know, his, um, his, um, complete inability to have the social polish of a butler is a, is a continuing amusing theme throughout that book. Um, actually, if I have one, um, uh, problem that I sometimes have with, I'm listening for example, right now to Lady of Quality and the reader in it, it's a British lady reader, um, that is doing the voices, but, um, she is, she's, she's giving the butlers a very lower class accent and she's, she's putting it on and it's not, it's not correct. In my opinion, mm, it's not mm, not mm. right. And, and
0: yeah.
2: uh, Georgette is often playing off of the different, the different, um, uh, ways that the butler versus the stable person speak and all of that. And exactly. She, she actually yeah. writes, writes about it a paragraph or two in, um, in Reluctant Widow that talks about like this guy never would have been brought in if it wasn't because of, you know.
0: Well, let's not forget that often these characters are the authorities for how to properly behave in society. Mm-hmm. I mean, often they have to school their unruly young lordships and ladyships mm-hmm. about how not to be, um what is the word? Like a, not a ruffian, a hooligan or mm-hmm. a something. There, there's these words that, that not imply not good ton. And, and you, oh, you have to learn and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the some off these butlers. Um, and, uh, I was going to also say in, uh, Arabella, there is, um, uh, there are quite a few moments when the person that's hired to dress her, um, has to kind of educate her. Luckily Arabella has good taste, but she's perfect. She stands perfectly ready to correct that taste and say, oh no, 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 you don't want to wear too much jewelry. Often, one of the big sins is that a young lady will w- want to wear garish jewelry when a simple pearl necklace mm-hmm. will do. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> right. so these these folks, even though they're of a different class and they don't participate, they don't go to the balls, they yet are the arbiters. And in some ways, uh, the guardians of, en- of the enforcers, enforcers of these uh,
1: traditions, of, and, and they are the ones culture. that will pass the secret to their friend, the under butler at the at the other lord's house, that that there isn't quite good ton in the you know casual dining conversation, or that that there were breaches of taste in the you know, in the home in which they serve, they were not, the servant class had extremely rigid rules about itself. And, and the, the, the pressure was on, as Sandy said, they, the, the upper classes called themselves the quality and the family. And it, it was absolutely necessary in that social system for the lower classes to believe it they had Absolutely. to believe yeah. that these or people were act like they believed it that they were but that there was something different about them there was something inherently better about these people and much like maybe people look at the queen today that there's something inherently better if people didn't believe it it wouldn't be so and therefore if the servant class felt that the upper class was not living up to that standard of being better, they were going to enforce it, because otherwise, what was their point in, in servility? That's right. And what, what, yeah, necessary. exactly. It's
0: quite an existential point, really. But, yeah, but what's the point, point of me? <laughs> and I, 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 was, I was just
2: reading Mrs. Dalloway and actually written um, two years after Victor, uh, after Georgette's first book. So she's Virginia Woolf is writing at the same time, and she has a character in Mrs. Dalloway that is a court a, a courtier, basically. And, and he's given a lot of crap by the other characters and look down upon but she is very finely drawing these distinctions of class and showing how important and invested
0: these people are Mm -hmm. in in the whiteness of the glove of the the um, helper to the queen and all the rest the shine of the silverware and the the the, the shine of the boot polish like the boot the bootman Um, I was thinking about your point, Sharon, about how how it must have been to have these people all around all the time. I mean, we see it in the television show The Crown, right, where there's it's that's one of the things that's really hard for for me to kind of get used to is the fact that they have these intimate family conversations and gatherings with these people just kind of hanging around, picking up and and delivering tea and so on and so forth. Right. Um, And perfectly uh, capable of hearing everything that they're saying. Um, well, I lost my point. I had another
1: point about that. But, uh, yeah, if you very compare, interesting question. If you compare Austin, Jane Austen, to Georgette, which is something that is, you know, reasonably frequently done. She's often described as a poor man's Jane Austen, And I, I, I take issue with the poor man's, of course, but um, Austin does not have as rich of a servant life or even as much of a mention of servant life, she will say the horses were brought around, but she doesn't go into who the groom was. Um, and I think Jane Austen, writing at the time when there was a servant class and and these norms were maintained, she
2: didn't. just
1: didn't find the inner life of the servant class as interesting as Georgette or the 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 global perspective of the servant class as interesting as georgette but your point sandy that georgette was writing she most of her books came out in the 40s 50s 60s and there was a siege was in Britain. so yeah but then there there's a long hiatus in between no, until she no, starts rolling
2: 21, 25, 26, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 32, 33, 34, 34, 35, 35, 36, 36, 37, 37, 38, 38, 39, bringing up to 40 and then going on from there. But that I'm just looking at her. But list. yes, it's
1: yeah. a, it, there is a sea change in the perception of servants in the universality of servants it used to be that everybody had or most people had them and not anymore. And, um. And that they they were allowed to be more individual than than Austen maybe thought of them. And I think you're right saying that it's a it's a reflection of the time in which they were written. And Georgette takes the it breaks ground in saying these this is an important point of view. These are funny people. These add to the story. These are intimate partners of my hero and heroine. I I need to add them. And I think she does a great job of it.
2: And and I also think, I mean, extending that comparison between Austin and and Georgette Hare, I I think that she's also, um, she's able to examine them because they're not uh, such an intimate part of life anymore. Just the way she's able to examine dresses. For example, Jane Austen hardly ever writes about dresses um, and, and Georgette goes into great detail because it's interesting to her um and she knows it's going to be interesting to her readers uh, what were the fashions of those times they're so interesting you know and she even has in in, in again reluctant widow one of my my favorites because i've read it a lot but there's a there's a point where they're up in the attic and they're going through a bunch of stuff and the the characters who are then in the sort of during the napoleonic years they're looking at these old dresses from the um the sort of uh, late part of the 18th century, and and talking about how funny looking they were, and so and and so she's imbuing her characters with some of her interest in in former eras um, fashions, and that's a part of of Georgette. Also, in I, I would say in maybe defense of of Jane Austen, I'll just say that I know that she had a, a true interest in not um, in not portraying anything in her books that she was not. Uh, she she would not have known about firsthand, so therefore she never has a scene where two men are talking to each other without a woman around um, because she's not have experienced that. She she may have a reference to a conversation that happened between two men, but she won't describe one because she couldn't be there. And she may have a, had a similar attitude about the life of servants and what they said to each other behind closed doors. So that's just a.
0: I think also what we see in the attention paid to the description of the costuming, I mean, of the, mm-hmm. you know, the tall net over a lavender silk, whatever, blah, 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 mm-hmm. with a pearled inset of whatever. I mean, I, I can't right. even imagine half the time what she's talking about. But um, I think what we see in those lavish descriptions uh, and in indeed the servants' handling. Uh, and skillful handling of of all fashion, hairstyles, and, you know, jewelry, and the proper placement of a a brooch, and all that, is, again, we've talked about this before, but the importance of appearance in determining your future. If you go to the ball, and you are established as um, a beauty, you stand a diamond of the first water. You stand a good chance of marrying well, providing for your little sisters if you have any, um, and doing your family proud. And that kind of um, uh, we we just see the weight of the reality of of appearance of its, its importance in and the vul- lives. Vulgarity is is the death. It's
1: right out. Yeah, vulgarity is well, right out. We do see in. Just about every Georgette book I can think of, we see the position of the upper class, the quality of, of superiority that they have, but we also see, and that's what they, they assume and they, they project themselves, these characters, but we also see very clearly their utter interdependence with the servants, Mm. And without their servants, they would be non-functional. There is so much physical work that is required. There is so much knowledge of who is that Lord or, or you know, what was lady so-and-so going to be wearing to this and that? Or uh, when did this, you know, will you take this note to, to such, this crucial oh, yes. note to the story, yeah. to so-and-so? And they are, the servants may, see themselves and do see themselves as, as devoted to the family to the point where most of the female servants, if they marry, they can no longer work at the house. They are right. off right. to their, their loyalty is divided and the upper class people aren't going to put up with that. Uh, um, I'm going to, reach,
0: I'm going to reach, um, to, uh, say that they, their, 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 uh, perhaps their job would be ended. If they did such a thing, and that's going to bring me to the end of our session here, ladies. I think you're right. <laughs> that's, <all> right. <laughs> uh, that's a that's that's a messy segue. But here we are at the end of our half hour. In fact, we have run over by uh, a minute thirty. So it is time to bid you, my dear um, ladyships, and all of our fa- fabulous listeners, ho- a fond hopefully farewell. Some hopefully, some lordships are listening to. Some lordships and some, um, who knows, maybe some servants are out there listening. And, um, we, you know, all are welcome. What can I say? Join the conversation. All We're here.
1: Thank next you for time, listening. Next time,
0: dear friends, next time, dear friends, we will uh, continue with um, yet another fascinating topic to jump off from. And with that, I bid everyone adieu. Adieu. Adieu.